Last Sunday, we began the book of Galatians, and we saw in verse 1 that Paul recognized that he was called by God, not by man, not by a church system, not by growing up in a Christian family, of course. He was a Jew, a Jew of all Jews, and he was zealous in his Jewish faith, and he was blinded on the road to Damascus, and Jesus came to him and asked him why he was persecuting him. Because Paul had set out, he had the paperwork, he had the endorsement to do away with all the Christian people, the followers of Jesus. And he understood the gospel. He says, grace and peace is ours through our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gave himself for us. Jesus died for our sins. We are delivered from this evil age by the good news of Jesus, and it is God's will that we receive the gospel, the will of the gospel come to us. And, of course, he recognized that God is to receive all the glory. So now let's look at verses 6 through 10. I find this very interesting in in what's taking place in Galatia. Remember, Galatia is not a place, a city. It's a region. And so it's written to the people of that region. Of course, they're called Galatians. And he says in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says in verse 7, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, It's important, I think, that we understand these two verses for our own benefit, for our own understanding of the good news about Jesus, and and for us to receive and experience everything that God has for us in Jesus Christ. So they're deserting God for another gospel. Now, simple does not mean the absence of problems. Complicated does not mean that there's the presence of troubles, okay? So when I say simple versus complicated, I'm not talking about simple means that life is rather easy and and absence of problems and complicated means lots of problems. But in the Christian life, when you are understanding, putting things together, and and trying to make sense of what the Scripture says. Simple is always better than complicated, okay? There are some complicated matters in Scripture. It's best that we stay simple in our approach to those complicated matters in Scripture, okay? So simple is better than complicated. When God reveals His plans to us, he reveals those plans, and our response to those plans are always simple responses. They may be difficult responses. The responses may be full of troubles and trials, but we, we are to give a simple response. Faith is simple. The plan of salvation is simple. The desire of God for us is simple. Man has a way of making it 
complicated. And you can tell when man has put his two cents worth into the things of God when the things of God are complicated. And when you've got lots of hoops to jump through, you've got lots of of do's that you've got to go through, and you've got more don'ts than do's in the approach to it, then what God lays out for us, intention was simple, but we make it complicated. And that's found nowhere else than understanding the laws. God gave 10 laws. Out there in that desert, Moses and the elders added 635 to them. Now, you can debate me all you want. To me, it's not really a matter of debate that those other laws were God's ideas. I'm not quite sure that's true in every case. Maybe in some of the cases it may have been true. But the Ten Commandments were to be the drivers. The Ten Commandments were to carry everything. And Ten Commandments is a lot simpler than 635. A lot, a lot easier. I mean, it's complicated that on the Sabbath, your donkey is in a ditch. And it looks like rain's coming. And you think, now, for our farm, it'd be better that we get that donkey out of the ditch today. But it is the Sabbath, and we're forbidden to work on the Sabbath. Would, would the Lord punish us if we save our donkey? Because he's stuck, and he may drown when that water comes running off that hill, right? That's way too complicated. I think the Lord would be okay with us getting the donkey out. I think that the intent of the heart would be okay. People are hungry on the Sabbath. I think it's okay, as we see with David taking the, the kernels off the altar. We see with Jesus going through the grain and picking some grain on the Sabbath and feeding his disciples because his disciples were hungry. That's it. That's simple. And you just take a simple approach to it, not a complicated approach to it, and you can get somewhere. Now, the Galatians loved complicated more than simple. And you know what? We love complicated more than simple. So, what is the gospel they are so quickly deserting? Here is the gospel that they are so quickly deserting. Salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. That's it. Jesus Christ alone. Salvation is by Jesus Christ alone. What is our response to what Jesus has done for us? Belief. Is it baptism? No. Is it works? No. Is it going to church? No. Is it being keeping all the Ten Commandments? No, it's not. It's belief. It's simple. And they wanted to make it complicated. They would have said, it is believing in Jesus, and it's also circumcision. It is believing in Jesus and keeping all the laws. It is believing in Jesus and being a good person, working hard. And you got to work harder than anybody else. you got to work yourself down to the bone to be saved. 
works, make it complicated. I mean, nothing makes salvation more complicated than works. And there's only two religions in the world. There is a religion that is salvation is through belief in Jesus Christ. Salvation that believes in what Jesus did for us on the cross is all that's necessary for salvation. And then you have all the other religions of works. And many of those religions say it is belief in Christ, but it's also being in a certain church. It is believing in Christ, but it is also being baptized in a certain form and in a certain way. It is believing in Christ, but it is also being better than other people. You see, that's the way works has to operate. It's just not simple belief and trust in him. Works salvation is a horrible idea. Some of the downsides to work salvation. Salvation by works always causes people to wonder that if they're being good enough, is ever good enough. Work salvation makes life complicated because you're always trying to to figure out whether or not you have done more good things than bad things. Because regardless of your faith, regardless of your your believing in what Jesus has done for us, you still got to do more good things than bad things. And so you're always measuring stuff. You're always having to analyze stuff. And and something else that makes it really complicated is a work salvation places us in that subjective world. You know, was that really sin? And you know someone is really counting on work salvation when you have questions like, is this word, when it's said, is it sin? Or is it the intent of the heart? Or is it what? Is it how we say that particular word? So you're getting down to what is is and about your salvation. You're getting down to, it depends on what your definition of is is. Surely you'd understand that when it comes to Almighty God, that salvation would, would be in a different capacity. It can't be by works because that makes man the worst. And what we see in the scripture is God wanting to take man and give him the very best experience with him, not the worst experience with him. And a works religion gives us the very worst experience. Work salvation forces us to compare our works to the works of others. You can look around today and you, can, you know people aren't here. I know, I know I got one excuse this morning. They are not here because kids were at their house last night. They're probably not saved. They're not like us. They didn't get up and come to church with those young'uns at the house. I feel good about my salvation today. I didn't really feel like coming to church today either. You know, wasn't quite up to it. Yeah, they're probably going to go to hell. But I ain't going to because I got up. And I came to church today. It was just a little bit cold. The mesquite tree is still the smartest. He held on. It was close in my neighborhood, but the mesquite tree budded and it almost froze. But no, nah, that boy, he's smart. So I was, 
you know, I was thinking about maybe I need to go out and put heaters around my mesquite tree and take care of all that, you know. Because you have to love the mesquite tree, right? But that's what we're going to do in work salvation. We're going to have to find people that we're better than. We're going to have to find people that we're better than. It's a constant work. I mean, you know, man, them, those holy rollers, we're better than they are, right? I mean, you remember the, 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 uh, the Presbyterian pastor in the river runs through it? You remember his words that, you know, all Methodists are are Baptists that can read. And, of course, what he's saying there is Baptists can't read, right? I mean, you've got to have opinions about people and judgments about people if you are a works religion person. It makes it really, really complicated. And work salvation means that you find security in what you presently do. Even if when you do those things, your heart's not in the right place. I mean, we can all go to church and we don't really go to church, right? We can all read the Bible and we're not really reading the Bible. We're just reading the Bible like we'd read a novel or read another book. I mean, we're just checking off the boxes, right? I mean, we, we can all do good things for people, but if we complain the whole time secretly... Not sure that honors the Lord at all. But works religion, it does what religion is supposed to do. But oftentimes, if it's works-based, man, the heart's a long way from it. Because we're just doing it so that hopefully we're better than most people and God will somehow or another grade on that divine curve, and we can squeak in by doing the less we could possibly do. That's works. Works, in a crazy way, gives man false security that salvation by faith alone in Jesus Christ does not provide. But the gospel that is pure, and the gospel that Paul is talking about here that the people have deserted is a gospel that is simple and it anchors us in Christ. It, it, it is just simply what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we believe that. It is salvation by faith alone in Christ. Nothing else, nothing added, nothing mixed in. It's that gospel that he deserted. Now, this idea of deserting, they deserted him. The scripture here doesn't say, and it doesn't say anywhere else, that, they, that Christ deserted them. That's really important for us to understand. Because we, we, work's mindset has a real hard time in the security of a believer that we are absolutely anchored in him, and it's something that we cannot lose. Has a, work salvation has a hard time with that. And you might read this scripture and say, Paul's saying, I'm astonished, I'm surprised. I mean, it's beyond me. What Paul is saying here in verse 6 is, you got to be kidding me. 
How in the world can anyone so quickly, so quickly desert from him who called you in the grace of Christ and you are turning to a different gospel? How in the world can you experience this wonderful salvation that we have in Jesus and turn to something else, which, by the way, is, is not really the gospel at all? And so people can desert God, but God doesn't desert them. And just because Paul says here that they quickly deserted the gospel of Jesus, it doesn't mean that these same people, that Jesus deserted them. Fact is, I know for a fact that Jesus didn't desert them. I mean, Jesus puts up with stupidity. He puts up with a lot of it, doesn't he? Jesus puts up with a lot of misunderstandings of us. Jesus, he puts up with a lot of our shenanigans, doesn't he? And, and so they tasted a wonderful salvation. I mean, when, when you've had the best, how in the world can you walk away from the best and take something that's subpar from the best? Well, we do it all the time, don't we? We struggle with that. There's reasons why people struggle with the gospel of Jesus. One is pride. Surely we got to do something. Surely we got to earn our keep. Surely we got to earn our way, right? I mean, surely my works have got to count for something in this salvation thing. Surely. No, it doesn't. Our pride doesn't let that happen. And, and these Galatians, I promise you, some of them, not all of them, the reason why they walked away from that simple gospel is he said, but, but I'm a good person. You mean to tell me that I needed a Savior? That's pride. I don't need a Savior. Yeah, you do. Everybody needs a Savior because if you only use 10 commandments, you're guilty of six out of 10. And if you'll listen to me a little while, you're going to be guilty of all 10 of them. But I ain't never murdered anybody. You ever drove down the freeway at rush hour? You've killed people. No, I haven't. Yeah, because Jesus says not, you know, murder is sin and murder is wrong. But if you even think about it, if you even say rock a fool in your heart and there's no way in the world you've driven these roads around us and you hadn't killed 10 to 20, 30 people. Matter of fact, by the Ten Commandments of what Jesus had about it, every single one of us are serial killers. Anybody not a serial killer? Got one? You're a serial killer. I asked you if you are. I know you're a serial killer. You don't get mad at people on the road. Okay, so you misunderstood. I saved you. I saved you from damnation right there. You're welcome. You need a Savior. You got to let your pride go. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. And I promise you, these, these folks here struggle with, they need a Savior. People struggle with that. They won't, they won't say that. They, if, you, if they find out you're a church going, they're, they're not going to say that they don't need a Savior because they realize the trap of that. But pride, wisdom, wisdom says, how in the world can anyone believe this foolishness? Yeah, wisdom does it, doesn't it? Wisdom sure enough does it. And so that's verses 6 and 7. There's not another gospel. There's only one gospel 
It's either Jesus Christ alone for salvation or everything else. Next second lesson here. Just simply verses 8 and 9, Paul is saying to us here, he's saying to the Galatians, and he's saying to us, this is really serious. This is really, really important, verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Whoa. If anyone preaches another gospel, the curse is on them. That's what this scripture says. Anathema. Let him be condemned, written off, judged, weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's serious. Verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. That's some real serious warning right there. The seriousness of the consequences of saying there's another way. There's another gospel. What Paul has preached is not what is true. We need to do works. We need to add things. You just can't receive Christ alone and be saved. There's more to be done. This is not the way it works. The word anathema, the word cursed, in the Council of Trent after the Reformation, very interesting in consideration when you think about what Paul had to say here in these verses. The Roman Catholic Church was really struggling with the Reformation. And the Council of Trent was a council that lasted over 300 years. And, and Pope Pius IV, I think he was, he, he, he resided as the Pope for a long time. And during his tenure, this is the kind of words that were placed in the Council of Trent. If anyone believes that salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ, let them be anathema. If anyone preaches that salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ, let them be anathema, cursed. And so I think it shows the real struggle that was going on in that particular time between the Roman Catholic Church and the Reformers. The Reformers and part of the Reformation, not all of it, there's, there's many things that went into the Reformation but one of the things that went into the Reformation was salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. It is not by faith alone and the Lord's Supper. It is not by faith alone and baptism. It is not by faith alone and the last rites. It is not by faith alone and catechism. It is by faith alone. It is by faith alone. And so Paul is saying how serious it is that we not hear another gospel and believe it for sure, and we not preach another gospel. Now look in verse 10. In verse 10, this is an important verse for us. It's an important verse when you think about the gospel. It's an important verse when you think about serving Christ and being who Christ wants you to be. Look in verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man? Or of God. Whoa. Yeah, that's right. Paul is saying, 
there's no way I can teach this if I'm going for man's approval because most likely all you Galatians hate me now. All you Galatians are struggling with me now. All you Galatians, you're having a hard time. And anyone that speaks the truth to a group of people is going to make some of them mad. Right? Paul knew that. And Paul is saying he's not, <clears throat> he's not teaching these things. He's not writing these things to the Galatians seeking their approval. He says, for, I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? He said, if I were still trying to please man. And so that lets us know that he did struggle with pleasing man, and there was a time in his life that what people thought of him determined what he would preach and what he would say, but I believe all that was before the three years in the Arabian desert that he experienced with the Holy Spirit, back when he was pleasing the, Gen the Jews, the Sanhedrin. He said, I'm not trying to please man here. And he, and he says something that's really important for us to understand. I would not be a servant of Christ if I were still trying to please man. I would not be a servant of Christ. That lets us know something that we already know. We all know, even if we're people pleasers, even if we're more concerned with pleasing other people than we are with pleasing God, and that is a real crucial question for all of us. Are we living to please God, or are we living to please other people? Paul says, I'm not living to please other people. I'm only living to please God. Peter said it in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. You can't do both. You can't obey God and, and live in a way that pleases people. Proverbs 29.25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And so Paul, as a servant of Christ, didn't care what people thought of him. Paul is more concerned with what God thinks of him. If we are more concerned with what people think of us than we are with what God thinks of us, we will compromise living for God. That's what Paul is saying there. And that's the gospel truth. That's the gospel truth. More people would be pleased with us if we would preach another gospel, if we would preach that hell doesn't exist, if we would preach that one doesn't have to be forgiven of their sins to be saved, if we would preach that Jesus Christ is one of many teachers, but not the one, but not the one. It's popular today to say the words like this, why in the world are all these religious people warring or fighting over one Savior? Right? And to believe that Christ is the only Savior means that we are going to displease most people in our culture, in our world. But we're not going to be able to be a servant of Christ in the way that Christ desires that we serve Him if we are more concerned with what people think of us than what God thinks of us. So some things for us to think about that might stir something up in you. 
I love this saying. I don't know who came up with it. I'm sure it's from sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. But I like this one better. Words don't hurt. A baseball bat hurts. I like that. I mean, don't equate being hit in the head with a baseball bat like someone said they don't like you. Right? Or you're foolish to believe in this Jesus. Oh, that's like being hit with a baseball bat. No, it ain't. I've been hit with a baseball bat. It hurts. But people can talk about me and it doesn't hurt. It's not like a baseball bat. And so get that in mind. Get that understanding. Words don't hurt us, but a baseball bat hurts. If someone picks up a baseball bat and comes after you, run like the Dickens. But if someone starts hurling bad words at you, rejoice for the opportunity. Rejoice for the opportunity. All good. Number two, my opinion of you doesn't matter and your opinion of me doesn't matter. That's what we need to keep in mind. My opinion of you doesn't matter. Don't struggle with it. I know some people struggle with what the preacher thinks of me. Who cares? Your preacher is basically a miserable human being. If it wasn't for Jesus, man, no telling what kind of guy he would be. He, hadn't, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have any saying in who you are or you're standing for God. I am not a priest. Jesus is the high priest. I'm just the one that said yes after everybody else said no. One guy, time a guy came in, he was really upset with me about a lot of things, and he was turning in, and he was really criticizing my delivery and, and sermons and how I conduct myself. And I said, dude, you're really, so what do you do? He told what he did. I said, I can't do what you do. There's no, and man, you live in a real big house. Yeah, well, you know, we've been blessed. You know, not so much. And I said, but you know what? God called you and you said no, and now you're stuck with me. And pretty much I said, why don't you go find you a real preacher and just enjoy it? He'll, he'll speak correctly and use all the words, and you can be proud of having a preacher. There's a lot of preachers around here that you can be proud of. I ain't that one. No, I'm not. I know him. No, I don't do that. That's not what that's about. But my opinion of you doesn't matter, and your opinion of me doesn't matter. That's important for us to understand. Something else that might stir you up a little bit. People don't think about you all the time. I don't think about you. I mean, the only people I think about all the time is Susan, Renee Brewer. I don't even think about my grandkids and son every day. I don't think about Amy. She's going to watch this. I, I mean, I don't hardly ever think about Amy. You know what I mean, don't you? I mean, people aren't just, I mean, y'all are going to go home and you're going to have lunch and, and you're not even going to talk about me. You're not going to. You're going to go to bed. You're going to play with the kids. You have fun. And 
I, I, I'm not even going to be part of your thoughts. You're not going to be part of my thoughts. And if you can look around a room today, that person over there and that person over there and that guy that you think judges you and all those kind of things, they're not thinking about you. People don't think about, I mean, you don't think, and everybody else is like that. We don't sit around and think about people. So don't worry about it. Don't, 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 let it, don't let it be a deal breaker for you. Right? And, and so if you're not careful, you'll sit around and you'll be paralyzed because you think everybody's thinking about you. And if they're thinking about you, they're thinking the wrong stuff about you. And they ain't. They're not. The preacher's not. And he's supposed to sit around all day and pray and think about you. But this one don't. I mean, I'll pray for you. If you're on my list, I'll pray for you. But, you know, the last time I thought about you was the last time I saw you. And that, isn't that the way it should be? It doesn't mean it don't care. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that's the way it is. And, 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 and Paul, I guarantee you, Paul prayed for these people. Paul was agonizing on these people. He, he wanted the gospel to be pure and true among these people. But he didn't sit around and think about them all the time. It's impossible. It's impossible. So if you're letting people ruin your life, ruin your time, ruin your day, stop it and realize the foolishness of it and realize you being worried what people think of you will, according to Paul, get in the way of you serving Christ. Example, I, I, I wish I had a dime for every time I heard this. Brother Lee, I almost, I almost amen today. Well, why didn't you amen? I didn't amen because I didn't want so-and-so to hear me or to think that I amened, right? I almost stood up and clapped today and shouted hallelujah. Why didn't you? Well, you know, not really something we do. No, we're boring. That's why we don't do that. Hallelujah. And... And he has dementia. <laughs> and he's the only one that did. Sorry, Bill, but it's the truth, right? Oh, I'm not concerned what you think of me. But I appreciate it. You see, if we are controlled by what people think of us, we're not going to serve Jesus. And you can see that in worship. You can see that in witnessing. You can see that in living publicly for Christ. You can see that. So you've got to ask yourself the question, man, you know, am I more concerned with what people think of me than I am of what God thinks of me? Fear of man is definitely a barrier to serving Christ. So Paul says, there's not another gospel. Hang in there. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That works. 
it's serious to believe in another gospel, which is not really true. There's not another gospel, but it's a serious matter. It's a serious matter to preach it, and it's a serious matter to believe it. He's warning. And you can't be more concerned with what people think of you than you are with what God thinks of you. Because a baseball bat hurts. Words don't hurt. And so if someone talks bad about you, the Scripture tells us to rejoice. For we get to get a little bit of what Jesus experienced. And that's all good. Amen? Amen, Bill? Amen, brother. He ain't going to quit. That a boy. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Help us, Father, to respond properly and correctly. Thank you, Lord, for your word that speaks to us and help us, Father, to be solely set on the wonderful gospel that we are saved by what Jesus has done for us, not by human effort of any sort or any kind. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.